0: Are you fed up with progressive society? I'm Peter Seraphine, and my frustration led me to write a short book titled Progress? Really? Progress, really, is about the past, current, and future state of American culture, government, and social standing. I urge every liberty loving American to visit my website, seraphine.com, and order a copy. Give Progress, really, a quick read and some serious thought. That was seraphine.com. S E R E F I N E.com. Order your copy
1: today. You have just entered the Liberty Lighthouse, where we cut through the fog of politics with common sense and logic. Coming to you from Pennsylvania, the state of independence. Here he is, author of the book, Progress, Really? U.S. Navy veteran and your host, Peter Serafine.
0: Today, we're going to talk about the Electoral College. We're also going to talk about the National Popular Vote Interstate Compact, which is designed to make the Electoral College moot. But the new thing is, I am going to talk about how it's not really the Electoral College that our progressive friends are so against. We're going to talk about what really is that problem, and... For once, I don't usually do this, but this time I'm going to put forth a solution. And I personally think it's a, well, the most Republican and the most Democrat, that's small R Republican and small D Democrat, solution that our government has ever seen. So, of course, our government won't do it. It's too perfect. So let's just jump right in. The Electoral College is obviously the system used for electoral votes for the presidential candidates. And I think it's important that we start with reading what the Constitution actually says about the Electoral College. So Article 2, Section 1, Paragraph 2 of the United States Constitution. Each state shall appoint in such manner as the legislature thereof may direct a number of electors. Equal to the whole number of senators and representatives to which the state may be entitled in Congress. But no senator or representative or person holding an office of trust or profit under the United States shall be appointed an elector. So, what's that mean? That means that every state has the number of electors that they have, members of the House of Representatives and senators combined. So, using Pennsylvania, where I live, as the example, we have 18 members of the House of Representatives. We have two, state, there are two senators, like all states have two senators. Therefore, we have 20 electoral votes in presidential elections. The state legislators decide how to award those electoral votes. So, here in Pennsylvania, we have 20 electoral votes. In our state, is an all-or-nothing state, meaning that the presidential candidate either gets all 20 or they get none. I think it's a very important thing to remember that it is the state law that says that it is all-or-nothing. It is not in the Constitution that way. It is not part of the Electoral College design or part of the Electoral College rules that make it that way. Each state may use a manner of their choosing to appoint their electors. Important to remember that as we talk today. So that's how the Electoral College works. Each state has a specific number of electors, and each state can determine how to award those electors. The push to get rid of the Electoral College seems to be growing huge recently because Donald Trump won the Electoral College, but did not win the popular vote. That's President number 45. And in our 200-plus years, that has only happened five times. Two of those five times were just in the last 20 years, so it seems to be a more common occurrence now, and therefore it is gaining more attention now, and there's a bigger push to get rid of the Electoral College now. Interesting to note that one of the other five presidents who was elected by the Electoral College, but not by the popular vote, was Abraham Lincoln. Can you imagine what today would look like if Abraham Lincoln hadn't been president? I wonder if the Civil War would have turned out the same way. Anyway the national popular vote interstate compact is the big push right now to make the electoral college moot they've realized that in order to eliminate the electoral college it would take a constitutional amendment which is almost impossible we've talked about this before on the liberty lighthouse as well that thousands upon thousands of constitutional amendments have been proposed Only 27 have ever actually been passed, so it's a near impossibility to get a constitutional amendment. So, our progressive friends have just found a way to work around it and try to make the Electoral College moot. I've said that before on Liberty Lighthouse as well. Last time it came up with Virginia voting on the matter... I decided to do a little more research, and I specifically went to the National Popular Vote Interstate Compact website and started looking at why. Why did this movement begin? Well, a big part of the reason that this movement began, not just because Donald Trump became the fifth president to to win the Electoral College without winning the National Popular Vote, but the battleground, or swing states get all of the attention. That's one of the reasons that they call out on their website. And the example that they give was in the 2012 election, there were 253 general election campaign events held by the two sides. And all 253 of those events occurred in 12 states leaving 38 states completely out of the process. 38 states that always vote one side or the other. 38 states that, well, candidates didn't feel that they needed to campaign in or didn't felt it worth campaigning in because they weren't going to win anyway. So 12 states got all of the attention. And the National Popular Vote Interstate Compact comes around to try to fix that. The problem is that if we go to a strictly national popular vote, like the compact is suggesting and trying to accomplish, what's going to happen is those presidential candidates, well, instead of going to the twelve battleground slash swing states, they're going to end up going to the you know ten or twelve most populous states. So, they're still going to be ignoring just as many states. They just might be ignoring different states now. So, the National Popular Vote Interstate Compact is not a solution at all. It doesn't fix the problem. It just redirects the problem into a different area. Fifteen states and the District of Columbia have all signed up on this National Popular Vote Interstate Compact. And if you live in one of these states... You probably should, you know, get out the protest and let your voice be heard that you want your state to withdraw from this compact. So if you live in Delaware, Colorado, New Jersey, Rhode Island, Connecticut, New Mexico, Hawaii, Maryland, Oregon, Vermont, Massachusetts, Washington, California, Illinois, or New York, you need to speak up. And tell your state officials, your, your state legislature, that they need to withdraw from this compact. That this compact is bad for America. Those 15 states and in, in, uh, District of Columbia, well, they comprise 172 electoral votes. It takes 270 electoral votes to win the election, but they're still working. There are two, four, six, eight, ten more states that have current legislation scheduled for this year. If these ten states pass this year, that is forty-seven more electoral votes that could automatically go to the popular vote. So if you live in uh let's see, Arkansas, Minnesota, Arizona, Missouri. Georgia, North Carolina, Maine, Nevada, Michigan, or Oklahoma, you also need to speak up and say, hey, don't do this. This is bad for our republic. Recently in the news, Virginia is working on this as well. It has passed... I don't remember if it passed the House or the Senate, but it's in the process there. And I've mentioned before in Liberty Lighthouse, it was proposed here in Pennsylvania, but I don't think it went anywhere here. If the 10 states that have legislation pending for this year pass, and you add those 47 to the 172, you have 219 electoral votes already allocated to the winner of the national popular vote. Personally, I don't think that's a good idea at all. I think that is a leap, a gigantic leap, towards turning our republic into a democracy. And democracy is nothing more than mob rule. Okay, so if we go back to the National Popular Vote Interstate Compact website, And again, look for more reasons why this compact was started, why this movement began. Well, it goes to the winner-take-all rules again. Currently, 48 states have winner-take-all rules for their electoral votes. So, presidential candidate wins 51% of the state. They win all of the electoral votes, 100% of the votes. Well, in 1789, only three states had winner take all laws. And by 1800, all three of those had repealed those laws. So in 1800, in the United States of America, all of the states did some type of proportionate allocation of their states' electoral votes. But 28 years later, by 1828, Half of the states had winner take all rules again. So, what does this mean to us now in 2020? Well, for one, that means states can change how they give out their electoral votes. And I think that's what we need to talk about. And I think that is the real solution to the electoral college crisis that our friends over on the progressive side of the world keep arguing about. Why they want to. Just abandon the Electoral College and call it arcane and useless and all those things. Okay, so I think we've done a pretty good job of explaining the Electoral College and explaining the National Popular Vote Interstate Compact. So I think we're going to take a break here. When we come back from our break, we're going to talk about possible solutions. And one of those solutions is my own idea. I'm sure it's been done, but I'm just going to take credit for it anyway because it's brilliant. Anyway, please call the Liberty Lighthouse with your questions, comments, and concerns. Call 6-4-MY-RIGHTS. Leave me a voice message. I'll use them on a future show, I promise. Go to liberty-lighthouse.com, sign up to be a member there for free, and you can download a copy of my book, Progress Really, for free as well. Okay, quick break. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening. You're
1: listening to the Liberty Lighthouse Podcast.
0: Let me tell you why I chose Anchor to host my podcast. First, it's free. It's one of the few hosts I found that really is free. They have all the tools that you need. You can make your podcast on a computer, or you can download their free app and make edits and uploads straight from your phone. So, if you're interested in starting your own podcast, I say... Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Welcome back. Thanks for sticking around, listening to the Liberty Lighthouse with me, Peter Seraphine. And if you really love this show, I appreciate that very much. I'd love for you to give us a call at 64 My Rights and uh, support the show. So share us, like, follow, favorite, share us on social media. And if you love it, I mean, if you absolutely love Liberty Lighthouse or if you have more money than you know what to do with, you could also click that Sponsor the Show link on Anchor or on liberty-lighthouse.com and uh, give us a little bit of your pocket change. We'd appreciate that, of course, but that's not why you're here. You're here because you like the dulcet sounds of my voice as I try to cut through some political fog. So let's keep that going. I said that when we came back, we were going to talk about possible solutions for the Electoral College and uh, for the National Popular Vote Interstate Compact. Well, I think step number one, if you're in one of the states or the District of Columbia that has already passed National Popular Vote Interstate Compact, then step one would be lobby your government to repeal the National Popular Vote Interstate Compact. Get out of that agreement. Because we are a republic, and in order to remain a republic, our states have to continue to act and operate independently. And this compact, uh, well, it gets states to work together in a block, and I don't think that's quite right personally, but, you know, that's just my opinion. Number two, if you're in one of the ten states or more, that is considering joining the National Popular Vote Interstate Compact, then you should probably lobby to make sure your state doesn't do that. You want to contact your state legislators and tell them your opinion. Tell them that they shouldn't be doing this. Number three, the third thing that we need to do is to lobby our states to not release the popular vote in their state until after the Electoral College votes absolutely nothing wrong with that. I don't see any reason that the popular vote in a state has to be released. So, lobby your state to not release the popular vote. If the popular vote isn't released, then the National Popular Vote Compact can't be used until afterwards. And number four, and this is a big one, and I have a couple of ideas on how to do number four. Number four is to lobby your state to change from the Electoral College winner-take-all rules that they have adopted. After all, it is not the Electoral College that everybody is so against. It's the winner-take-all rules that have been adopted by 48 states. That is the problem as seen by the progressive left or the liberals or the Democrats or whoever. It's the winner-take-all rules that are a problem. And I completely understand their argument here. The winner-take-all rules are a problem. So, lobby your state to change their winner-take-all rules to go to some type of a proportional allocation for electoral votes. The easiest way would be to just divide your electoral votes by the popular vote. So if candidate A wins 60% of the popular vote in your state, then give them 60% of your electoral votes. I mean, that's pretty simple. That gets away from the winner-take-all. That makes every state worth visiting for a presidential candidate because they have a chance of winning something in any state. As the world sits right now with the winner-take-all rules... If you're the minority party in your state, why do you even bother to vote in a presidential election? If you're a conservative in California, what's your vote do for presidential elections? You know the state's going to go liberal. You know that they're going to pass and give all of their electoral votes to the liberal side. So why bother voting? And the same thing goes if you're a liberal in Texas. Why bother voting in the presidential election? Within a proportional allocation of electoral votes, and you are the minority in your state, then it does behoove you to go vote in presidential elections because your presidential candidate will at least get something. Okay, that brings us to the other proportional allocation of electoral votes idea. This is the one that I think is just brilliant. It supports both the Democratic government as well as the Republican government. And it's just not the political parties, mind you. The small r Republican as a Republican form of government and the small d Democrat as in Democrat vote, not Democratic party. You understand? I hope so. Anyway, the most Republican idea as well as the most Democratic idea all squished together into one idea – little harder to explain than the 60% one we just went over. So, but let's go over it here. Our electoral college members represent the House of Representatives members and the senators from any given state, right? I used Pennsylvania as the example earlier because I live in Pennsylvania. We, we get 20 electoral votes, 18 for our 18 House of Representative members and two for the senators. So why not award the electoral votes based on congressional districts? So that would be 18 of the Pennsylvania Electoral College votes that could be awarded by the 18 House of Representative congressional districts in the state. So if one candidate were to win 15 of those 18 districts, they get 15 of those 18 votes. But that only accounts for the House member votes and still leaves two more votes that represented our senators. Award those two votes as a bonus to whomever wins the popular vote in your state. How do you like that? I think it's brilliant. So any candidate in that state has a chance of winning something and the winner of the popular vote in that state gets a bonus. What could be better? It's the best of both worlds in one plan. Most people don't like the Electoral College because of the winner-take-all rules and because that means a whole bunch of the country doesn't ever get to see the presidential candidates. They get no attention from the presidential candidates. I don't like the National Popular Vote Interstate Compact because any state who has joined this compact has said, screw you to the voters of their own state. Your vote doesn't matter. I don't give a rat's behind how you vote. We're going to give our electoral votes to the winner of the popular vote. Even if not one person in this state votes for that guy, that guy's still going to get our electoral votes because he or she won the national popular vote. And that's all that matters. Your vote doesn't matter. Screw you. Bah. The proposal I just gave where you award electoral votes by congressional district and then give two bonus votes to the winner of the popular vote within that state, solves everybody's problems. It is, it is Republican in that it is awarded by representation of representative districts. It is Democratic in that it rewards the popular vote as well. Honestly, I think it's the most perfect plan ever put forth in a government solution ever, which of course means that there will not be one single state in our country that will adopt this plan because it's too easy, it's too perfect, and the only flaw that I can see in it is now gerrymandering because gerrymandering can change, you know, Who's going to win which districts, which is already a problem. You add the presidential electorate to that same gerrymandering problem. And you know that that's really the only downfall to my plan that I see. But I bet a whole lot of you people listening are smarter than me. So if there are downsides or flaws in my plan that I haven't seen, you know what to do, right? You call. 64 My Rights, and you tell me what your thoughts are, and we discuss it again next week at the next Liberty Lighthouse. My plan means that any presidential candidate could get electoral votes out of any state. The most conservative Republican on the planet could go to California and still win at least one district. The most liberal Democrat could go to Texas and still win a district and therefore win a vote. And therefore, it's worth any president going to all 50 states to try to win their electoral votes. So my next step here is to contact one of my state representatives and see if maybe I can't get this put in the form of a bill and get it sponsored. and Maybe Pennsylvania can lead the way In getting rid of the all-or-nothing electoral votes in our country and trying to get more and more states to go to a proportional allocation, which is far more fair to everyone involved. Again, like I said at the beginning, it's not the Electoral College that's the problem. The Electoral College is fine. It's the all-or-nothing laws that have been developed by 48 states. The all-or-nothing laws need to be changed. And you know who changes state laws? The people that live in those states. So get out and do something about it, folks. And that brings me to the last thing I really want to talk about today. And that was another article that I posted at libertylighthouse.com. So if you'd like to read the article, go to liberty-lighthouse.com. Click up there where it says blog and you can see the articles that I post. I usually post an article for almost every episode uh, as the topic beforehand. You can get an idea of what we're going to talk about. But this one wasn't designed to be part of a Liberty Lighthouse. It was an article that I put up there and thought I'd throw it into a Liberty Lighthouse at some point. So now's that point. And that is, be civil to one another. Why are we falling for the rhetoric from, a, from our political elites and, and resorting to name-calling? It does no good to call the liberal side snowflakes. And it does no good for the liberals to call the conservative side racist, Nazis, whatever. Name-calling doesn't help either side. It doesn't help either cause. And you know what? We're not as politically divided as our political elites want us to think. If you can find somebody on the other side of the political aisle and sit down and actually talk to them, You're going to find that we actually agree on, you know, 50, 75% of the issues. It's nobody ever talks about the ones that we agree about. Everybody talks about the ones that we disagree. And even there, often we disagree only in the proposed solution. We still agree about the problem. We just disagree about the solution. So, name-calling doesn't do either side any good. And our political elites and our media elites, for some reason, are trying to force that divide in us. They're trying to separate we the people. The only thing I can think of why they might be trying to do this is simply the old adage of divide and conquer. If we keep fighting amongst ourselves we're not going to pay any attention to what those people are doing. And that is the problem. So, be civil to one another. I pointed out to both sides, if you're on the right and you start saying snowflake or liberal nut job," I'll correct you. If you're on the left and you start calling people names, I'll correct you too. This is not how politics is supposed to work. This is definitely not how society is supposed to work. So stop taking the bait from the political elites and the media elites. Stop hating your, the political opponents. They're your friends, your neighbors, your co-workers. Hating them does nobody any good. So when you're going out there to lobby your state about changing away from the winner-take-all rules of their electoral college, Remember, you're going to run into some opposition. Don't call them names. And that, my friends, that brings us to the end of today's episode of Liberty Lighthouse. Remember, call me at 64 My rights with your questions, comments, and concerns. Let me know what you think of the Liberty Lighthouse. And I will be back next Friday, 6 p.m. for the latest installment of Liberty Lighthouse. Until next Friday, protect your liberties. Once they're gone, there's no getting them back. God bless
1: America. Thanks for listening to the Liberty Lighthouse Podcast. Be sure to sign up at liberty lighthouse.com to download Peter's free ebook from the file share page. And don't forget to call 64-MY-RIGHTS to leave comments for the show. That's 646-974-4487. If you enjoyed this podcast, tell a friend about Liberty Lighthouse. And wherever you listen, subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It's very much appreciated.